our second session on the um, persecuted church and we'll pray at the end as we always do. So I'm going to share with you, this is June's Voice of the Martyr, which um, we didn't go over because we had our healing school. And uh, most of you know that Raul was healed. Did you know that? And he, amen. He had his test um, when he left here and they found no cancer. In fact, his sister texted Nola back and told her that they even had their head of radiology to come out and check to make sure the results were accurate. Amen. So he is cancer free. Amen. Praise God. We serve a great God. Amen. He is so eager to heal us. Amen. He wants us well. So, okay. So anyhow, we're going to talk a little bit about, I found a story in here which is very, um, very interesting and um, probably I'll share at least a couple testimonies uh, in this edition. Um, These people suffer greatly because of their faith in Christ. You know, it's a real living faith. It's hard to deny Christ once he's really come into your heart because he is your life after your you're born again. There's there's an emptiness if you try to get away from him. And so to serve him and to love him is the best way. Amen. I think sometimes people don't have much uh, involvement with the things of God because they've never really tried it. They've never really let everything go and say, God, you just show me. You take over. And uh, we have a reluctance to allow God to run our lives. But that's the best way. You know, I tried both ways and it's the best way. So, and amen. So, want him to do more. You know, I want to yield more to the Lord and see what else he has for me. Amen. All right. Father in heaven, we thank you for this uh, time with you. Show us what you want us to know from these pages. Thank you, Lord, for giving us understanding and insight in how we can pray for these uh, persecuted people, how persecution against Christians in this country uh, needs to be fought and needs to be overcome. So we thank you that as we sow into the hearts and the lives of others, you will bless us as well. So we thank you for this opportunity to sow seed into the lives of the persecuted. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So this one is about a daughter betrayed. Ruth was leafing through the Bible in her room when her younger sister walked in. Mom, Ruth has one of those books that belongs to the Christians, her sister yelled as she ran from the room, panicked. Ruth shoved the Bible under her mattress. Ruth's mother and sister ransacked the room looking for the forbidden book, but they somehow overlooked it, even though they flipped the mattress. If I find a Bible, only Allah could save you, her mother warned. Ruth lived in a Muslim village in Adawama State, northern Nigeria. She and her brothers and sisters lived with their mother, while their father supported the family by working in another state. Like 60% of Muslim girls in the north, Ruth never learned to read. At age 19, she still spent her days helping her mother with housework. Ruth didn't think much of Christians. They were infidels, and the ones she knew behaved immorally. One Christian boy, however, a pastor's son, always nodded politely and smiled when she walked past. Still, she wanted nothing to do with him. Then one day, the boy stopped Ruth and told her he had dreamed that she was converted to Christianity. Offended, she responded rudely and kept walking, but for days she kept thinking about what he had said. She felt restless as she considered the possibility. If I convert to Christianity, she thought, what about my parents? She knew her family would reject her if she left Islam. 
She then met with a pastor who prayed with her to receive Christ and gave her a Bible, which she tucked under her knee-length veil before heading home. Ruth thought about the boy's comment for two weeks before finally deciding the Lord was speaking to her. She then met with a pastor who prayed with her to receive Christ and gave her a Bible, which she tucked under her knee-length veil before heading home. But that evening, her sister caught her looking at the Christian book. I was scared and I knew in my mind if I tell them I became a Christian, something bad will happen, she said. After talking with the pastor again, Ruth gathered her courage and announced to her family that she had become a Christian. Her mother told her that she was an insult to the family and ordered her to start on her chores. Later, after Ruth had finished housework, her mother gave her some homemade yogurt. After finishing it, Ruth experienced stomach cramps and began foaming at the mouth. Her mother began, and brothers, then dragged her outside and left her in the front yard to die. Some of Ruth's neighbors, who found her lying in the yard, rushed her to the hospital. While Ruth recovered over the next three days, her mother came to visit and brought her a gift of nuts. But after tasting the nuts and examining them more closely, the pastor decided to throw them away. He suspected they, too, had been poisoned. Ruth stayed at the pastor's house after recovering from the poisoning, but her difficulties as a Christian were only beginning. One day, Ruth's mother called and said she was struggling to keep up with the housework now that she had no help. Despite her mother's attempts to kill her, Ruth dutifully agreed to come and help her. As Ruth worked at her family's house that day, she heard a knock at the door. Her mother wasn't home at the, at the time, so her older brother answered the door. He opened the door and welcomed three men into their home. Ruth recognized all three as members of the Islamist group Boko Haram. Ruth's brother walked to his room while the three men walked toward her and said they came to see her. Then the attack began. The men held her down, beat her, and raped her repeatedly until she lost consciousness. When Ruth's mother returned, she found her lying on the floor bleeding severely. Ruth told her mother that her brother had arranged the attack, but she refused to believe it. Ruth then returned to the pastor who took her to the hospital for treatment. Realizing her family was never going to accept her new faith, Ruth decided it was time to leave. Her pastor arranged for her to move to another city, but she felt lost and useless in the home where she was staying. Then in 2016, her caretaker arranged for her to attend a discipleship training school where she would study the Bible and learn vocational skill. I was excited when they told me about the school, she said. When Ruth arrived at the school, she discovered that all the students were like her, former Muslims who had fled their homes after coming to know Christ. And like her, they had experienced persecution after becoming Christians. Some had been abandoned while others had been beaten or forced by their family to marry a Muslim. Ruth felt a sense of belonging at the school. I was encouraged that I am not the only one who left Islam and came to Christianity and had experienced all the issues I have gone through, she said. She spent a year at VOM-supported programs studying the Bible, memorizing verses, and enjoying fellowship with other Christian converts. One of the things she learned about during her study was forgiveness. I was finding it difficult in my heart, she said, but then I made a decision that I would forgive those who hurt me. 
No matter how it hurt and no matter what happened to me, I would forgive. After graduating from the program, Ruth became an apprentice in a sewing shop run by a Christian woman. Now 22, she will soon be fully prepared to run her own sewing shop. She is learning to read and write, and she is currently dating a Christian man under the supervision of her Christian guardian. She hopes to get married one day. Ruth experienced horrible persecution after placing her faith in Christ, but she has persevered in faith with the help of and encouragement of other believers. When asked if it was worth it to become a Christian, she said softly, yes, it was worth it. Amen? Amen. Yeah, yeah, some story, huh? The devil is evil. If you don't believe the devil lives in people like that, religious devils can cause great harm to people. They wanted to murder Jesus, remember? Tried to throw him off a cliff. So there's a lot of hatred there. Devil's a devil. Uh, okay, sisterhood and a, a, of grief and comfort. Um, as Deborah chatted with a neighbor under a mango tree one day, five young men drove up, jumped out of their truck with machine guns, and walked purpose, purposely toward her home. Her nieces, nine-year-old Palmata and seven-year-old Kamai, whom she had adopted, ate their after-school snacks just outside the front door while Deborah's husband, husband sat inside the house preparing for a Bible study that evening. Deborah quickly followed them into her house, but one of the men stopped her in the hallway. You have to lie down, he barked at her. As she lay on her stomach, the armed men pressed his boot into her lower back. Then she heard four shots in the room where her husband was studying. Overcome with terror, Deborah started praying. She believed that she would be next. To her surprise, the killers left her cowering in the hallway. Once outside, however, they grabbed their younger daughters, forced them screaming into their truck. Why are you taking us? Palmata cried. Deborah scrambled to her feet and ran after the truck, but she soon stumbled and fainted in the dust left, um, at, thus left in its trail. When she woke up in the hospital, the medical staff confirmed her fears. Her husband had been killed. Her girls had been kidnapped. She was immediately hit by the grief already shared by so many Nigerian women. Deborah was desperate to get her girls back. After being released from the hospital five days later, she shared photos of them with the military police and with neighbors, hoping someone would recognize them, but no one could help her. Deborah had five older sons, and after the attack, she sent all but the youngest to live in a safer city where they wouldn't be forced to join the Islamist group. She believed her youngest son, who was 12, would be safe with her. But three months later, two men ambushed him as he walked home from school. He was shot in the head and the chest, Deborah said. After his funeral, Deborah packed her things and moved into her church. She no longer felt safe in her own home. Soon, however, rumors circulated that Boko Haram soldiers were planning to attack the church. Deborah, her pastor, and his family fled to the relative safely of a camp for internally displaced people. Deborah later learned that the extremists had stole all of her belongings and burned her house. In a matter of weeks, she had lost her husband, her two daughters, and a son, and her home. It wasn't, I wasn't in my real mind, she said. I lost myself completely. I lost weight. I was going through a lot of trauma. I didn't let myself feel their deaths. Deborah struggled with hopelessness for about three years, but she eventually began to trust God 
that that God had a plan for and a future for her. I feel whatever God's plan is, if it is his will for me not to get the girls back, then lead them to heaven. But if it is will, let us come together again. Let these men release the girls, Deborah said. That is my prayer. I know that no matter what, we will still meet at God's feet. Today, Deborah shares a home with a woman in a different city and supports herself with a cleaning job. She has forgiven the men who took everything from her, and she prays that they will repent. Amen. Praise God. Boko Haram targeting families. Since 2002, Boko Haram has targeted everything and everyone it views as being outside true Islam. This includes not only Christians, whom the group has labeled infidels, but also secular schools and and irreligious Muslims. As a result, tens of thousands of families have been destroyed or torn apart. In July 2017, Borno State Governor Kashim Shatima said Boko Haram's efforts to establish a purely Islamic territory in Nigeria have resulted in nearly 55,000 widows and more than 52,000 orphans in Borno State. While an estimated 50% of all Nigerians are Christians, only about 4% are known to follow Christ in a Muslim-majority north where Christian families are clear targets. Young girls are specifically hunted down by the Islamists in April 2014, a few months after Deborah's daughters were taken. Taken, Boko Haram kidnapped 276 girls from the Christian city of Chibok. The mass abduction made international headlines and inspired the social media campaign, Bring Our Girls Back. While many of the girls have escaped or been released, 13 are presumed dead and 112 remain missing. Boko Haram's female captives are often raped repeatedly, forced to marry members of the group, according to the testimonies of girls who escape. Many are used as slaves and suicide bombers. They're forced to convert to Islam. Attacks of Boko Haram had declined over the past two years, but the number of suicide bombings has dramatically increased. From January through September 2017, 84 children were used as suicide bombers, four times the number for all 2016. 56 of the bombers were reportedly girls, most of whom were younger than 15, and one horrific incident, explosives were attached to a baby that was strapped to a girl. Christina had just headed for bed when she heard gunfire erupt through her village in Borno State, Nigeria, and the sounds were getting closer. She quickly scooped up her sleeping five-year-old daughter, Rejoice, and prepared to run for safety. Her husband and their other eight children were already camping in the mountains, a common precaution ever since Boko Haram began attacking the region in northern Nigeria. Before Christina could leave her house, however, she was struck in the arm by an attacker's bullet. The bullet passed through her arm and Pierce rejoiced his back, killing her instantly. As Christina's bleeding arm grew weak, she involuntarily dropped her daughter's lifeless body on the ground. Christina had feared that her family would one day suffer a Boko Haram attack, but the pain was far worse than she had thought possible. When we used to hear about the killings, I felt if I ever came into contact with Boko Haram, I would die because I can't withstand them, she said. But when it happened, I was not even able to feel the pain from the gunshot. My pain was the death of my child. Christina's family currently lives with relatives in another village. They lost another child to illness after the attack, so she and her husband have seven children. Although she has 
overcome a lot of pain as a mother she will always feel her loss both Deborah and Christina have struggled since these Boko Haram attacks but with time and the help of, of their families and churches they have gained a deeper relationship with God Voice of the Martyr has provided Christina with food and Deborah with encouragement. Through the prayers of pastors and believers and their encouragement, we and to see what happened to others was an encouragement to me, Deborah said. I'm not able to forget that encouragement. A Bible study also helped Deborah make sense of her losses. We went through the book of Job and tried to understand what he went through. It is not different from what we went through, so it encouraged me. The pastors also encouraged us that we are not permanently here on earth. All living on earth is temporary for us. Every time Boko Haram releases some of their more than 2,000 captors, Deborah rushes to see if her two daughters are among them. So far, they have not been. Deborah asks that we pray for their safety and their return. Christina says she, too, has been able to experience joy, but... It hasn't been easy. Throughout her healing process, she has clung to precious memories of rejoice. She is grateful for the five years God gave her with her daughter and also for the life ahead of her. Amen. So these people are suffering greatly. Amen. Aren't they beautiful? Clothing are so pretty and and they're just all always you see um, women from certain African countries so well groomed and they look so dignified and so just just really, you know, the devil hates that. He wants to take our dignity away, wants to take our life away, our joy, our rejoicing and our happiness away. So, amen. But you can't can't let him have it. You don't have problems. We don't have problems compared to this, folks. I'm just here to tell you. So, you know, we we need to be constantly rejoicing and constantly praying for these individuals. So we're going to pray for all of these needs. Um, can you plug that back in? I would plug it up, but they keep moving it too far for me. So I just got to get somebody to do that. So anyway, we need our we need our air. So this will be our last thing to do. We'll pray and. Uh, that's what we'll call for. We want air conditioning in our next place, Lord, in Jesus' name. Oh, these hot churches are too much. Praise God. All right, Father in heaven, we thank you, we bless you, and we praise you, worship you, and magnify you, Lord. We lift you up, Jesus, and we praise your holy name. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You first loved us because you have given us your love. We thank you that we can love you back. So we bless you. We magnify you, Lord. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that you put a hallelujah in us so that we can call forth all the forces that we need. We call forth the heavenly host. We call forth the Lord of hosts. We call forth angelic protection over the people that we pray for today. We thank you, Lord, for uh, Christina. And we thank you, Lord, for both of these women who want to see their children again, Lord. I thank you. Deborah and Christina want to see their children again. We know that the one will see her daughter in heaven. But we also believe that those children, those girls will come back. And we thank you for protecting them in the meantime. In the name of Jesus, we bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. 
And we pray against persecution. We submit to God, resist the devil. He must flee. I command you, Satan, to flee from us seven ways. Vengeance belongs to you, O God. I resist retaliation against our accusers. We are serving you. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You who sit in the heavens are laughing. Behold, they're threatening. Stretch forth your hand to heal, O God. Do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. I declare that the way of the ungodly shall perish. They shall fall by their own counsels. Lord, I ask you to judge the people. Judge according to my integrity that is within me. Let the mischief of they who persecute me return upon his own head. Keep me as the apple of the eye and hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Thank you for teaching my hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in my arms. Thank you that you have given me the necks of my enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar their lies against me. Cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of the mouth. Stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against me without a cause and who hate me. It is time for you to work, O Lord. Boko Haram has made void your law. Thank you, Lord. It is nothing for you to help. Help us, O Lord, our God. Save your people according to your mercy. Let their hands prosper and prevail against their enemies. But the Lord is with us as a mighty, terrible one. And therefore our persecutors shall stumble. Father, cause these men who persecute these people to stumble. They shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed. They shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. We said those who live godly will suffer persecution. But Father, it is not unto death. We ask you to spare the lives of these people. We ask you to give them a refuge and a hiding place. Give them a warning that they need to go when it's time to go. Release them from things that are holding them down when they need to flee. So we thank you, Father. Give them faith to walk away from the things that would cause them to fail and would cause them to be killed. So we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray for every, all of our 60 persecuted nations, Lord. We pray especially for North Korea. We pray for Uganda. We pray for India. We pray for Haiti and Muzu. We pray for all of those uh, countries where there is persecution. We pray for, pray for Nigeria, especially in the north, and for the Sudan. And we thank you, Father, for putting godly authority over these people. Father, cause the wicked not to prosper in any way. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for blessing these people. Thank you, Lord, for giving them a refuge. Father, we thank you for giving them relief from their persecutors, Father. We thank you for giving them a place and a dwelling place where they can flee to and they will not suffer, Father. We thank you, Lord, for granting them asylum where they need it. We thank you, Lord, for granting them provision. Thank you, Lord, for great provision for people who are fleeing Islam and want to come into Christianity. We thank you, Lord, to win more souls through those who have been persecuted. Don't let their persecution go to waste, Father. We thank you that they will share testimonies with one another and encourage one another. Be a strength and a help to one another, Father, even when they're on the run. So we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the persecuted nations. We thank you, Lord, for delivering your people from every single 
oppression of the devil. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God, and amen again. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, if anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Miss Wanda, you can put us some music on. Music. Thank you.